Welcome, 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 one and all, big and small. You've reached the podcast known as The Three Carnies. So come on, let's show you around. Hawkins saved my life. He healed me. He healed this too. Hawkins done this for me. He ain't just some kid from Belfast. Hello, Carnies and Rousties. Welcome to another edition of the Three Carnies podcast. I'm Monica. I'm Tana. And I'm Jen. This week, we're going to talk about Outside New Canaan, Season 2, Episode 11, the second to last Carnival episode. We are sad, but we are not because we're going to talk about the plot and the things that happen. So here we go. We open to a scene of prisoners from Nevada State Prison working away. On the other side, we see Samson pushing the carnival to go to New Canaan. He tells Felix he needs to be dark. Lila confronts Samson and calls her crazy. Next, we see newcomers to New Canaan. Jonesy and Ben blend right in. Security is tight. Jonesy asks Ben to go back with him to the carnival, but Ben holds still. In the Crow household, Iris is just trying to do laundry when Varlin gives her sass. A lot happening right out the gate. (laughs) So what did y'all think of Lila's confrontation of Samson, finally? I enjoyed Lila seeming to, I don't know, have have something to do in this episode that's a little bit more than just gossiping or whining about loads. It was still load-centric, but at least there was some sort of action to it. And like always, Samson was smooth in his reply. My only note on that was... Samson ain't here for your shit, Lila. <laughs> no, he is not. I don't know. I could have done without it just because as we talk about this episode, I'm glad it goes the way it goes, but she's a plot device. She's a loads adjacent character. And I just thought that she could have been more. So anytime I see her on screen, I just have like this inward cringe. Was there any significance to them working next to Nevada State Prison? I think it was just there to compare and contrast with the work farm at Justin's camp. Okay, that makes sense. But other than that, it just shows that they're on their way to California. Yeah, I just was curious because I thought about that and then I thought maybe it just also highlights the business that they're in, that they're not setting up in really wonderful towns. They're just parking where they have to park and move forward. What do you guys think of the Cooch show having to go dark for New Canaan? I'm totally for it. I suspect it'll go one way. I hope it would go another. And what I mean by that is I suspect it's going to set up them having some issues with their finances. But then I really wish they would do something that they've done before. Like they've always had like an ace up their sleeve back when they were doing the gospel thing and Felix doing the dirty dice. I think that's a nice opportunity, but it's going to put a big strain on them. What do you think, Tana? At this point, rewatching the series, I think it's weird that the Dreyfus family has never considered an alternate plan B in case they can't perform for some reason. They don't necessarily need to make a new act. They just need to know who needs a hand where. They also don't seem to take this time while getting there to brainstorm a new idea. Do they have this debt storyline? So obviously that just makes them lose their mind instead of trying to come up with a plan. So I don't blame Samson for wanting to stop there. There's 17,000 people there. 
that could potentially be like a really good income. That's pretty much my thoughts now. I wonder if their plan B is usually healer shows, other religious shows, or holy roller type things that they did before in season one, because they seemed very skilled at that and apt at that, but they can't quite do that in this camp because that's Justin's job. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe it's just one of those things because the Dreyfus family generally is probably the most well-off act that really this comes down to their savings being gone. And so maybe going dark in the past really wasn't as big of a deal because they were always sitting on a lot of money. But I'm with you, Tana, in that maybe they should have a less risque level of earning and income. I did really like Toby Huss's look of fear when he heard this. He's just such a great actor. Switching gears, did you guys have any theories on why Iris acts the way she does when Varlin has that exchange? I think she doesn't want to go to Brother Justin because she doesn't want to be in a position of seeming weak or needing his help. And so she's just trying to deal with Varlin on her own, but still wanted to pull out the threat of going to Justin. That's fair. Did people have other theories? I was thinking along the same lines, but I also feel she was trying to make her relationship with Justin seem as tight as it used to be. But Varlin's quick to find out that's not the case anymore. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. Next, Ben is chatting with a fella going by the name of Willie. He introduces himself as Henry when Willie is working with security. He offers to break his fast with him. Toby makes a nice sandwich. Justin is a bit lewd and more focused on the perfection of the sandwich while talking to Val and his crony, who are very much worried about the election. And then Justin makes them pray. I think it's smart of Ben going by an alias instead of saying who he is, because he doesn't know if they're actually looking for him or not. That was a smart idea. Yeah, in the last couple episodes, he's leveled up maybe has to deal with the fact that he has full access to his abilities because season one Ben would not have that skill set it's also interesting that his alias is Henry yeah I thought that was a nice touch to be honest I think in this scene with Justin he's just weird did you guys check out how big that ham was on the table oh my god it was huge yeah, they're not hiding how much money they have coming in. Yeah, even Iris has nice lingerie and stuff. The weirdo sandwich step was, I don't know, I've never felt so dirty watching someone talk about a sandwich. Yeah, it was well acted, but then the way it was shot, it was so, we're there in Justin's perspective. He's really couldn't be bothered less about these two people they're just there and then but they just annoy him so much from his meal he, he has to pay them back justin style yeah and he was just relishing in having these people get on their knees and pray to him and it was great how slowly they were forced down yeah he's full assimilated into his his headspace in this scene he's just maybe pretty worried about ferris wheel yeah, my 
half-formed thought here was I think Justin's metaphor might actually have been relevant to Val and Munson, but they're not really reading into what he was saying and they get mad because they think it's irrelevant and they're just taking whatever he says at face value until he forces them. Next, we see Ben bringing up logs where he is stopped by the weather watching security team. They frisk him as he holds on to the logs and they are really the best security team money doesn't have to buy. Next, it's uh, Sophie pushing Norman to the window. She apologizes for not being able to read to him. Next, it cuts to Ben pulling out weapons stored in the logs. He then, then sees Norman, who helps him on where to find Justin. Sophie leaves, and then Iris sees Ben and disarms him. She places the hatchet on the pillow. Meanwhile, back at the carnival, Lila is stirring up trouble. Let's everybody know who killed Loads, and we're all so glad. Burley is the most inquisitive, as you guys might have uh, suspected. Do you guys have any theories of why Iris left the hatchet on the bed? I think she left it because I think she recognized that Ben was here for Justin. So she just left it for Justin to let him know that he's here somewhere. I can't remember. Does she know who Ben is and relevant to Justin? I think her and Norman know that he has an enemy. He has an opposite so, of course, Justin's trying to kill this person, so that person is here to kill Justin. Obviously, she doesn't know it is Ben personally until she confronts him in the house. And then she tells him where he can find Justin instead. That's fair. I guess I just thought that she put it there because she wanted Justin to feel unsafe. Somebody was in the house, and maybe he's not invincible. But that was just my take. How about you, Monica? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think she's just trying to scare brother Justin a little bit that he's got this threat. Like when she was like, oh, you were just having another one of your episodes. Just a little bit. I felt really bad when Sophie was talking to Norman, setting him up at the window and she's being really clueless and saying to Norman, I wish you could come with and then condescendingly saying, not purposely condescending, but being, maybe it would help you. And the poor guy is sitting there being, I'm fine. All this other stuff is crazy talk. Like, he's the one person who doesn't need help going on in this house. Yeah, she definitely sounds like she's drank the Kool-Aid already. Yeah. I miss the uh, pre-made Sophie. Me too. Worker bee Sophie, and as Tina said. Yeah, and back at the carnival, the whole Ben killed loads. And I just, I guess I'm glad it's all coming up. It's all being brought up and addressed and all that stuff. But I don't like any of that. I could do without that. I just can't believe no one is asking, like, how does she know this? And why are they all believing it when everyone knows she's the gossip queen of the carnival? I am with you on that one. Yeah, I will say it does seem they don't care that much that Lodes is dead. <laughs> they care more about, as far as the carnies in general, especially like Burley and them, care more that they believe they're not going to make money than the tragedy of Ben killing Lodes. I totally agree. It just goes to show that Lodes is a toad. 
Absolutely. I'd be fine to lose this side plot of, because Ben killed our guy, and just anything else. More of the Dreyfus family, or more Samson and his old main squeeze, and that dilemma. <laughs> or more Jonesy adjusting to walking like a man. Just anything would have been more preferable. Yeah, totally. We now see Justin is baptizing the new converts. And as Justin baptizes Varlin, Ben sees Sophie. He's dressed up as one. And she sees Ben before going into the water. A dead body floats behind the group. Ben and Sophie find each other. Aww. And Ben tries to tell Sophie Justin is evil. And she's like a cool drink care person not having it. Yeah, I don't blame her for not having it, though. His spiel's, like, really outlandish. Oh, this guy's in my dreams. He's trying to kill me, this guy that I've ever met. Yeah, he's terrible at explaining it, but then the other side of the coin is, she used to read fortunes for a living. Her mother spoke in her mind. Why can't she make the leap and believe him? She's known Ben for how many months? Justin for how many days? Can you please just do the math, Sophie? Please go back to working, Sophie. Or kicking a gas attendant, Sophie. Or I'm going to hang out with Libby Sophie. Just like one of those Sophies, please. I think it's really disappointing because Ben is generally an honest person. And she thinks he's like a big liar. So I'm like, that's not what he does. Yeah. I did feel really bad for her when she's, oh, you came for me. And, you know, and had this excited, heartwarming look on her face. And then he's actually no. And then you could see the rejection again. So maybe that put up this extra wall. Probably, but more evidence that Ben's honest. You're not going to like his truth. And he's really not good at saying it, but he says it. Please believe him. Unrelated, but. Kind of not. Seeing Varlin baptized was weird. Yeah, and once again, he got real emotional at it. Yes, I do have a, a script for this one. And they say that he's supposed to be sobbing during the baptism. And it's, this is the most meaningful moment of his life. I buy that, but the setup is weird because he's been set up to be this cold, callous, does what he wants killer. And less of this looking for validation kind of killer. But I mean, you know, he's serving Justin, so. Yeah, I don't buy it that much. Though this time watching, I got distracted because I noticed when Eleanor washes up, it cuts between her body and Justin and the people in the area. And then I could see Sophie going back and forth between wet and dry. That started to bug me. Oh, good eye. Now I'm going to have to rewatch that. I hate that I notice these things now. It'll be okay. Just think of Burley's teeth. That's nice, soothing <laughs> teeth. I was going to have very light mention of how pretty Sophie was lighted when she's standing in the water and how good Clea Duval did at having this face of blissful anticipation and rapture of Justin's quote-unquote goodness. Yeah, I agree. I think she looked really pretty there, waiting to be baptized. I just wanted to pick your guys' brain on what did you guys think of the sky being yellow and orange most of this episode? I think it's distracting, and it makes the lighting look really weird sometimes. I don't think I noticed it that much. I was just too busy noticing how pretty Sophie was, so. 
I was paying more attention to how many different threads of the plots that they've put out there they're trying to tie up. Yeah, first. Back at the carnival, Rita begs Samson to help them out. He doesn't have it. Rita lets them know they are leaving if he takes them into that camp. Rita, Sue, and Libby argue. Iris decides a scrapbook. And Sophie informs Iris that Eleanor's body interrupted the baptism. Justin told everyone it was suicide. So do you think at this moment Rita is actually going to break away from the carnival? Or do you think it was just a threat? I think it was an unknowing threat. When she says it, she believes it. And she believes she'll be breaking away. But I don't think she'll ever actually go through with it. Like when Felix thought he was going to leave. I think they're all just so tied to this life they know. Yeah, I felt bad in this bit because I feel like if Samson could, he probably would have helped them out. He seems like he would try to, or not just that he would, that he has when some of the acts were on down and outs. He would be supportive. It's just he's got nothing. Yeah, his hands are tied right now. But I do agree. I think he would help them if he could. Once again, Rita Sue showed how the actress showed how scared she was. Both her and Felix, you can see how high these stakes are for them. What I guess I feel bad is that I'm pretty sure they make the most money for the carnival. And I feel they've been able to help out when it was time for them. And this is truly their ninth hour and they've got no... No hands offering to help out. Not that any can, but. Yeah, I also just get annoyed again. Why can't they have a meeting with Samson and make a plan for all of them or something? Because this is a TV show and they need drama. (sighs) I know. I mean, to be fair, everyone's under a lot of stress. So, I mean, Samson's end of the world kind of stress and... Felix has never bet this much and lost stress. And so I think taking that into context, even them being capable, they're capable when they're all working together. But right now, each of them is in their own frying pans. Do I think they could be a little bit more problem solving? Absolutely. But I also understand that they've been for nearly two seasons, they've been going through it with so much drama from their daughter dying to all these crazy places that they're going to. All the conflict with Libby, they're hard up. I don't know. I give them a little bit of leeway. Yeah, no one thinks straight when they think their life is on the line. My question for this pit was, why do you think Justin tells everyone it's a suicide? So he can direct their line of thinking. If he didn't start a story of how she must have died, people would start thinking maybe something more insidious. Yeah. A suicide wraps it up in a nice little bow. There's not going to be any questions or follow-up or investigation. If he's, oh no, who killed Eleanor? It must be. And even if they direct him to someone else, people are going to follow the thread where suicide, everything's nicely packed and presented. And, you know, it elicits also sympathy and more emotion. Where Justin can show off how kind and thoughtful it was. Like, she must have been so miserable. I can't believe we didn't see that. That's my brother Justin impersonation. Spot on. Does he for sure know that Iris killed her? Or is it just not even a consideration? It's just, oh, dead body. Don't want to deal with that. Got other stuff to do. 
I believe. Justin and Iris shared a knowing glance last episode. No, was it last episode? Two episodes ago. When she came back after killing Eleanor and they were having that sermon in the tent. I don't think she flat out said what she did, though. Yeah, when she was, I was doing my duties and he was good. Even if he doesn't know no in his heart of hearts, which I think he does, but even if he doesn't, he probably suspects her pretty hard. And so still is, nah, I'm not going to throw her under the bus. Because he wants to drive the bus. Yep. It was interesting how Sophie's, when she's thinking about Eleanor Paffson away, she's thinking more about, oh, poor Justin, it must have upset him so much than it is poor Eleanor, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. She was very much sympathizing with Justin in this situation. That's her buddy. It was interesting that she's trying to reassure herself that Justin was a good man because Ben just told her that he's not, he's evil, and he's out to get me, blah, 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 blah. So she goes to Iris, he is a good man, right? It's night now, and Justin sees the hatchet. As he goes to remove it, it burns him. He and Iris begin to yell at each other in Russian as Sophie overhears. Meanwhile, Lila is writing with Rita Sue and Felix. Rita cries and joins in the blaming of Samson Ride. Then we get to see Jonesy coming back. Felix tells Rita she's just going to have to get over him. It's nice that Sophie's starting to get some clues that maybe Ben is telling the truth. I feel bad for everybody in the Dreyfus car. They're not wrong. For a long time, they've been going to places that are really too poor to make much money without really explanation why they're going there. So it's sad that they feel it's probably better to leave. And then I thought it was really interesting that Felix refers to Lodes being dead. Is that suddenly a fact now? How does he know that for sure? Out of everyone in that car, it was Felix I felt the worst for because Lila's just, ugh. And then she starts Rita. And then he's just there. He can't leave. He has to drive. He just, he seems more happy-go-lucky when he's not betting away his life and family savings. In general, his disposition is to keep it light. And they were really, I don't know. I just, I have like, I want to vomit what I see all on the screen now. I had so much sympathy with Felix. Rita Sue pulled my heartstrings a bit. Especially at the start of that scene where Lila is bitching and she's being so irritating and Rita Sue is off in her own world and you just see this shine in her eye and you start to think, oh, is she about to cry? And the crying just slowly builds up. It just felt so natural for someone trying to keep it together in their own world of sadness. And I, I just thought that was a beautiful few seconds. Yeah, because it all falls on her. It's not if they go under, Libby's going to be able to handle it or Felix is. And so that's just her burden. And right now, that's all she can think about. It's all she can focus on is this huge problem. And I do feel very bad for her. I will say the moment, though, that they stop and it's Jonesy and Libby runs out to him. Is just the sweetest thing. 
It was, and it was just beautiful how they filmed it. And Rita Sue getting out of the car and just seeing her heartbreak. And I just love Felix coming up to her in the back and saying it in a really sympathetic way. Not mean and not bitter, not angry, just you're going to have to get over him one of these days. I just love that. Absolutely. Did either of you guys see an officer and a gentleman? Years and years and years ago. Okay. There's a scene right there that's similar. It, it goes to this notion that Rita Sue firmly believes that Jonesy is gone. He's not coming back. He's just like everyone else. And Rita Sue's can be petty and she could be bitchy and it, she's a rough character. But it just it reminded me of that because you have her who's very pessimistic about the world. And then Libby just doesn't have that. She doesn't have all that heartbreak kind of sitting on her or disappointment. And Libby going off to Jonesy, it is about the fact that yeah, Jonesy came through for her. But it's also, I think, just this full circle thing where really didn't expect happiness to happen. Rita Sue didn't anyway. And, but again, I like what you're saying about how Felix was not judgmental, but sympathetic. Hey, this is just where the things are. Yeah, maybe this would be a good turning point for Rita Sue to be more supportive of her daughter and Jones. Yeah, it could be. I don't know if she's capable, but it definitely could be. It will take time, of course, but a lot of like awkward Dreyfus family dinners later. Next, we see Justin confronting his airtight security special ops team about the hatchet. Sophie sees the scene where Justin almost makes one chop off the fingers of the other. And as she's mopping, she dusts an old picture of Justin, Iris, and Norman. She finds a broken death mask, and Justin confronts her. She tells him his name is Ben. I like investigative Sophie. She's much more preferable. Yeah. I don't know what Justin was doing having the death mask in just his random hallway drawer. Didn't he have it in his bedroom at one point in time? I think, but it's a broken death mask. It's, it's a tossable thing now. What's he going to do? Like, take his broken death mask to people like, have you seen this boy? Also, I don't know how anyone can recognize anyone from that mask. It just looks like a man's face. Not to nitpick too much. No, I, I think it's a fair criticism because I look at it and just that could be anybody. I would look at that and be like, oh my God, that's Ben Hawkins. I agree, but I do like that you could see it's starting to click in her head that what Ben told her is right. She heard them speaking Russian. She sees him being cruel to the guards. Now she sees him being obsessed with Ben. So maybe he is right. Yeah, and I do like how it's just all getting pieced together because it, it was probably apparent before. This is probably not the first time she's seen him have a different side to people. She's been staying with them for a while, but that little chat with Ben seems like it's seeded some independent thinking and I'm for it. I have a piece of trivia. Tell us. One of the guards, Earl, he's actually played by Clea Duvall's father. Aww. Is he like an actor for a lot of movies or is it just this part? I looked at his IMDb. He's been in a few things, but not as much as his daughter, of course. I think this was probably more of a hobby for him, whereas hers was more of a career. I think the last thing he did was Ray Donovan. The carnival staff is disgruntled. Lila calls management a son of a bitch. And Samson and Jonesy 
go to sell the carnival to the Christian camp. Libby sticks up for Samson, and Jonesy and Samson come back to find everyone upset. The staff, the Rousties, they quietly storm the trailer, and Samson is losing his grip on the group. Half go to walk when Libby convinces Jonesy to show him what Hawkins did for him. This whole part was very strange to watch. I'm glad they all know that, hey, management passed on. And it's a good excuse for people to know that Jonesy doesn't have to wear a brace anymore. I just thought how they chose to tell that was a little awkward. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, I thought it was really weird how it played out. Samson just lets them go into the management trailer knowing there's nothing in there. What was he expecting when they came back and announced that nobody's in there, management doesn't exist? You should have thought that through better. That really bothered me, too. He said, oh, let him go. It'll be fine. And then seems like he's shocked that they're angry at this. And he's like, oh, God, what do I do now? How they resolve it. Okay, well, let's just make everyone feel better about who Ben is by like Ben healed Jonesy. But I don't know that really squashes it all. Okay, so the beef is Ben killed loads and there's no management. But Ben healing one of their own, it makes it all better. Like, I guess that's where I don't buy is the deficit of the meh is not to me resolved by Jonesy being able to run. (laughs) Also, them filming Jonesy running was just here, show what I can do. It was weird. One life is a fair trade off for one knee. At the end of the day, like what we were saying earlier, they're more upset the fact that they're not getting paid very well, as opposed to, oh yeah, one of them murdered somebody. Okay, moving on. That seems to be their worry about their livelihood. And again, I don't get how a fixed knee really changes that, how they're all of a sudden ready to go toe-to-toe for Ben, because not everyone even likes Jonesy. It felt odd. I'm glad it's all out. Yes, everyone knows management's gone and that Ben can heal people and Jonesy's fixed, but Just how they organized all that just didn't fit into the storyline in my head. I just get really weird that they went so many years without knowing or seeing or anything about management. What has Samson been saying about management this whole time? If I was him, I probably would have mentioned that management can't come out of the trailer because he doesn't have any legs. He lost them in the war, which is true. And that's probably more plausible than. He's a supernatural being and can't be seen if he doesn't want to be seen. I don't know. This whole scene is just weird. When he said to go ahead and go in there, I was hoping that maybe he did a booby trap and was all like, yes, Lila's going to melt like a witch or something. But that was not the case. As we conclude this episode, Sophie is seen feeding Norman when Justin instructs her to stop. That Norman can feed himself. And while he leaves to answer the phone, Iris has Sophie clear the plate and helps to feed Norman. Iris tells Norman that truth about Sophie. The house sits inside barbed wire. Ben sees Sophie just before Justin comes out for a chat. Ben goes to save Sophie and take out Justin when stopped by Jonesy. The episode ends by seeing Justin cut himself shaving as he hears carnival music. Poor Norman. Stop punishing Norman. He didn't even do anything this time. He just sat there. He did nothing. He didn't even laugh. He just was eating his dinner, dude. Yeah, and I really find it surprising that he decided to do that in front of Sophie. Yeah, I do like how Iris said Norman. Hey, by the way, 
Sophie's familia. Do either of you guys agree about Jonesy stopping Ben from trying to save Sophie in that moment? I think I do. I don't think the idea of Ben just storming the porch really would have worked. And I think then the whole mission would have been halted. Ben would have lost. He would have to make it really far to be able to kill Justin before anyone saw. What did you guys think? I think I I agree with Jones. Ben's just going in based on his reactions at the moment, but they really need to plan this out if they want to succeed. Did you agree with Jones, Jen? If the point is to keep Ben alive, then yes. If the point was to attack Justin, I thought it was a good time. He wasn't on full alert about somebody hurting him. Plus, he was very distracted by Sophie. So, I don't know. I thought he would have a good chance of a sneak attack. He would immediately die. But I feel like he had a good chance to take out Justin in that point. Yeah, I can see it. This thing grosses me out a little. Not gonna lie. I was about to ask, what did y'all think about the creepy conversation? I think it's grosser in the script. What does the script say? At the end of the episode, Justin reads the line, like a famous verse. But during the scene, he has this whole sermon, starting with this verse laid throughout the scene. And I thought it was a bit more, this was the main scene that was really different in the script than in the show thought it was pretty true to what we saw there's just little minor differences it felt a little bit off character when justin goes in and he's all i know who you really are and then goes in to kiss her and sophie is just i'm sorry i can't with a bit of regret that seemed like such a subdued reaction compared to what the old sophie would have done or maybe that just shows how much kool-aid she's drank I took that as in she's had a lot coming at her in the last 24 hours. If he had tried to put a move on her the day before when she's, oh my God, Dean Justin, woohoo, then probably she would have been full Kool-Aid, but she's coming from a day when the rose tinted glasses are coming off and I think she's just very much confused and trying to like regain herself a little bit, or at least I hope she regains herself and doesn't go back to everything is great, everything is grand, but that's how I took that scene. He just is not being able to keep his cool around Sophie anymore. Getting angry about the death mask. Tell me about Ben and getting angry here, grabbing her arm. He's just not able to create that fake persona as much anymore. See, I I would think I would go a step further and say that he's giving less effort to do that around anybody. When he had the politicians on their knees or when he was going to get the one security guard's fingers cut off, there's no real consequences. Anything he does can be repaired if he wants to. I think it maybe comes out more of a Sophie because he gets a little bit more distracted by her than other people. But I think this is just a general, I don't even call it unraveling, just, eh, I'm just gonna be crazy today. Yeah, I think you're right that he's just feeling more invincible with how much he's gotten away with. Yeah, there's even guards around on horseback and whatnot, and he doesn't care about doing stuff in front of them. So in terms of our favorite character for this episode, does anybody have any standouts? To be honest, most of the characters in this episode kind of seemed a little bit meh. 
I don't know if it's because I've seen this episode too much just seemed like setting up the chess pieces. But all that being said, I will pick Felix as my favorite character simply for the one line where he says, you're just going to have to get over Jonesy one of these days. Yeah, I actually was thinking about Felix too for that line, but also for dealing with the crazy in the car. He did it. He got through. (laughs) Kept his cool. Yeah, I find I'm not really super drawn to any one person in this episode. But I think I'll just go with Rita Sue to be different. That's fair. She did a lot this episode too. Monica was saying in the nuanced way she was emoting pain. How do you all feel about this episode overall? Meh. I too am meh about this episode. It was just, all right, what are all the plots that we have hanging out here? Resolve all the side ones anyway. Yeah, I think it's fine to build up for the finale, but it wasn't super amazing. I think that's the thing, though, is that it doesn't, for me, build up to the finale. Everything that happened outside of a Ben and Justin face-off really could have just been a couple of lines here or there. Everything that happened at the carnival, the little mini scene with Varlin and Iris, all of that is fine. But all these little pieces took up so much of the episode. If I was watching this live, I wouldn't have had the, oh my God, I can't wait for next week. It wasn't a good hype episode as much as it was like Monica was saying, putting up the chess pieces. Yeah, I think the final scene with Justin and Iris looking over the carnival, which I don't think we actually talked about this. I think it was brilliant for Iris to bring the carnival into Justin's area inviting the enemy she has this slow long con but the final scene with justin and iris looking out the window at the carnival created tension but it felt more to me like the third episode before the season ends tension it was more like a slow ramp up versus as you were saying oh i can't wait to see what happens next episode what was your guys's thoughts about Iris inviting the carnival into camp. Do you think she's trying to destroy Justin, make him upset, get his goat? I don't know that we know her endgame or her real plan. She's definitely doing some things to put him off kilter. The carnival piece, the putting the hatchet on his bed, even the thing where it was she had Sophie clear his plate. She's making these very tiny, very well-placed chiseling away his armor. But in terms of what she's ultimately trying to accomplish, hard to say. I don't know if at this point she knows the enemy is with the carnival per se, but I think she might know of Justin's childhood fear of the carnival. So obviously she wants to hire them to scare him. Does she know the enemy is with the carnival? I can't see how she'd know that unless that was something that she gained information from overhearing. Justin told someone about having nightmares with Ben and a Ferris wheel, but I don't remember if that was Iris or someone else. I think it was Norman. Okay. So maybe Norman could have wrote it to her. Yeah, maybe. But I do like that the two storylines are now converging, and it's really interesting seeing them act together. Yeah, totally. The scene with Samson and Iris where they were negotiating, that was a pretty good scene because they're both understanding what each other is saying without saying it. 
what the other person is secretly meaning. That's the last of my thoughts on this episode. That's going to conclude us. Thank you for spending an hour with us. As always, I'm Jen. I'm Tana. And once again, I'm Monica. Next week, we will be deep diving into Season 2, Episode 12, New Canon, California. The final episode of Season 2, and sadly, the final episode of the series. But don't worry, it won't quite be the final episode of the podcast. We'll have one more post-season chat. Make sure you subscribe and review so you don't miss our final two episodes. And as always, send us an email at threecarniespodcast at gmail.com. See you all next week. Bye. 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 <laughs>